Hello and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor David continues our series on people who got up close with Jesus with a look at the woman who touched the hem of his cloak. Let's listen. And begin with an opening question for us to just kind of consider, to think about when you think about yourself. But are you good at reaching out for help? You may not be. We live in a sort of kind of do-it-yourself society. And honestly, I could be better at this. I will often spend too long doing something myself, just trying to figure it out, when it would be much faster to reach out to others for help. But something about me is like, I don't like to bother other people. I'll, I'll just kind of figure it out to the best of my ability. I, I learned that about myself when I was younger. I was in high school and I was uh, working at a veterinarian's office. Now, my job was to clean the cages and to walk the dogs. It wasn't anything really special, but I loved being around animals. And so for me, it was the perfect job, except I had to also clean the cat's cages. Now, people tell me that cats are nice. It was not my experience. <laughs> oh my goodness, I would come home with scratches and bite marks, never from the dogs, always from the cats. Well, I would go about my work cleaning their cages, and each, uh, each cage had a note card. And on the note card, it would say the animal's name, what kind of food they ate, and any special instructions. I got to this one cage, and, and the note card, it was a cat, of course, and it, it said under special instructions, cat jumps. What do you think that means? I really didn't know. I was like, what? What, what is this supposed to mean here? And really, the easiest thing for me to do would have been to just go ask someone. Uh, in the room next to me, there were probably three vets and four vet techs. I could have asked any one of them, hey, come with me. What does this note card mean, cat jumps? But again, I didn't want to bother people. And so I said, I'm sure, it's nothing. I'll figure it out for myself. And I opened up the cage, and can you guess what happened? The cat jumped right at me, claws out, hit my chest, bounced off of me, and then climbed up three flights of cages uh, up to where the ceiling was and then was trapped there. It took two vets and three vet techs 15 minutes just to coax it to come back down. It took so much longer than it would have if I just initially said, hey, can you help me with this? Yeah, I learned asking for help is a, it's a good thing. The good thing to do, although sometimes you have to swallow your pride to do it. Okay? That's enough about me. I want you to think in your life. Perhaps there's a situation in your life that you really could use some help right now. I would say don't second guess yourself, especially here at the church. The church is a community of people who want to help one another. And so if you need with help with something, now is the time to reach out. And yet, I also recognize that there are some things nobody can help. Nobody accepts God. What does it look like to reach out to God for help? And are we equally hesitant to do that? Well, we're studying these stories of people who came up close to Jesus. And when they came up close to Jesus, their lives were changed. They were transformed by something that Jesus did. And today we're going to study the story of a woman whose life was changed after she literally reached out 
to Jesus. So the story begins actually with a man named Jairus. And Jairus goes to Jesus. And Jairus says to Jesus, my 12-year-old daughter is dying. Will you come and, and heal her? And Jesus says, yes, he happily agrees. And, and they take off walking because they need to cross the village in order to get to Jairus's house. And it is on the way. It is when they are in transit that our story takes place. We pick up our story in Luke chapter 8, verse 42. It says, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. Now, I want you to pay attention to that word, because I think it was intentionally chosen by Luke to paint a picture of what was happening here as Jesus is walking across the village. The crowds are pressing in on him. He is being touched from all sides because so many people just want to be close to Jesus. So many people are interested in hearing and learning from Jesus so that as he walks, he's almost being crushed as he goes. If you've ever been to a concert where you're all kind of squashed together like sardines, you know a little bit of how it feels to be crushed by a crowd. That's what's happening with Jesus. And in the midst of this crowd, there's a woman. The next verse says, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal. Okay, there are two things that have gone wrong in the life of this woman. The first you see here, she is physically bleeding and no one has been able to help her. No one has been able to, to heal her. Uh, I'm so glad that we've got multiple gospel authors because what one remembers, one might forget. And so here, uh, actually, Mark gives us more of a clue as to what was happening in that woman's life, a little bit of uh, background for us. In Mac, Mark chapter 5, 26, we're told she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Yes, this woman must have been of substantial financial means because she was able to go to the doctors, which a lot of people during this time period could not. And she spent all that she had on those doctors. And at the point of destitution, uh, she realized, I'm not getting better. I'm not getting better. I'm only getting worse. This is such a challenging time period in this woman's life. And yet, that's not the only thing she's dealing with. It's not only the physical ailment that she's dealing with, but she's dealing with something else as well. In this time period, she would have been considered ritually unclean under the Mosaic law. So the people in this time period, they lived under the law of Moses. And under the law of Moses, some things were considered clean, and some things were considered unclean. Now, that might seem strange to our modern ears, because that's not the world we live in. We don't label some things clean and some things unclean, but this was the world that this woman was living in. And due to her bleeding, she would have been considered unclean. And since it was a constant bleeding for 12 years, she could have done nothing to then be considered clean. She could not have made a sacrifice. She couldn't have gone to the priest. There was nothing that she could have done. She was trapped. And so that meant that if you're unclean, 
you had to live apart from your community. See, everyone else can go live their lives, a part of this group, a part of their community. But if you're unclean, you're singled out. You have to live on the outside. You have to live apart from everybody else. And so for 12 years, this meant this woman would have had to have been separate from her community, from her family, from her friends. Not only is she dealing with this physical ailment, but perhaps the greater challenge would have been the social isolation that came with it. If you've ever gone through periods of loneliness or periods of isolation, you know how debilitating it can be. Imagine having to live like that for 12 years. Now, Luke has told us two things in back-to-back verses that actually don't make a lot of sense. Uh, The first thing he tells us is that the crowds were so large that they were pressing in on Jesus. But then the very next thing he says is there's a woman in that crowd that was not allowed to be around crowds. She was not allowed to be in the community. She was considered unclean. And yet, she was in that crowd that day. And yet, she was a part of that group that was pressing in on Jesus. Why? This woman was risking so much to be there. If any person in that crowd recognized her and called her out, the level of consequences that she would have had from the law were extraordinary. Why is she risking everything? It's because she wanted to be up close to Jesus. Luke continues to tell us the story of what she does when she reaches the proximity of Jesus. It says she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Yet she was a part of the crowd that day because she wanted to touch Jesus. And with all the people around, she was kind of able to to reach through it and just touch even the faintest glimmer of his robe. And that was enough. The bleeding that had hounded her for 12 years immediately ceased. Now, earlier I asked, what drove her to be a part of the crowd that day? Even knowing what she was risking. And as I study this story, I think that a part of what drove her that day was desperation. I mean, if you've ever had a chronic condition, you know how much that can weigh down upon your soul. If you've ever had to be apart from your friends or your family for an extended period of time, much less 12 years, you know there'd be a certain desperation to find the cure, to allow you to come back and be a part of your community once again. And she believes that it could be found in Jesus. Yes, she believes that Jesus could heal her. Now, we don't know why she believed that touching Jesus was enough for healing. I mean, usually in the Gospels, it is Jesus' words that heal, right? Jesus says something. Jesus proclaims, you are healed. Go, your faith has made you well. But she has in her mind, she doesn't need any of that. She doesn't need Jesus to say a word. All she has to do is touch his cloak. And she's right. She's right. In this instance, she touches Jesus and she is healed. Imagine how she must feel at that moment. She's probably filled with jubilee, filled with joy, knowing, okay, I'm healed. I can go back, be a part of community, be with my family once again. 
but she's about to learn that it may not be that easy. Here's the next verse. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Okay, so you've got all these people in the crowd, and they are denying touching Jesus, presumably even this woman. This woman who was right there close enough to touch Jesus, we presume that she was also one of the ones who said, well, no, no, I don't, I don't know who touched you. Was it, was it, was it me? Was it me? Because remember, she's not allowed to be there. She's not allowed to be in that crowd. And so she must wonder, what will Jesus do if Jesus finds out that it was me who touched him? Because if she touched him, then according to the law of Moses, she would have made Jesus unclean. And so what would Jesus do if Jesus finds out that she is the one? But Jesus knows that someone touched him. Yeah, the crowds are all around. They're they're pressing it against him, but he knows that something else happened. Now, upon first reading, this can seem a little bit spooky, can't it? Almost like magic, where power has left from Jesus. But we have to remember that in Luke's gospel, Luke often speaks of the Holy Spirit being so present in Christ's life that Christ can sense when the Spirit is moving in. And I think that's exactly what's happening here. Where the Spirit is moving, even though Christ is not aware of what's happening, and the healing presence is going to this woman in her greatest time of need. So, our question that we're faced with is, what will this woman do? I mean, will this woman show herself to Jesus? Or will she try to slink away into the crowd and disappear among everybody else? Let's read on. So then the woman, seeing that she could go, she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Now I've highlighted that word trembling because I want you to put yourself in the shoes of this woman and how she feels knowing that she's about to be singled out, that the whole crowd is about to know that she should not have been there, and yet it's she that touched Jesus. She's in the presence of this crowd, and she knows they may turn on her depending on what Jesus does, depending on what Jesus says, but she's honest. She decides to tell the truth no matter the consequences. And here's how Jesus responds. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. This is so important what Jesus did. Because what Jesus is just doing here is publicly declaring that she is now clean. In front of that whole crowd that's kind of waiting, going, Oh, wait, we recognize her. She should be here. Jesus is now declaring, no, she is clean. She is healed. She is allowed to be a part of this community. She's allowed to be with her family, her friends once again. She can be a part of her old life. And what healed her? Jesus says it was her faith. Her faith that through Jesus, 
all things are possible. That even though she had 12 years of evidence to the contrary, that with Jesus, healing was still possible. Well, in this series, we're studying these interactions, these encounters when people come up close to Christ and their lives are changed as a result. And we see that with this woman. This woman who went from social isolation to being welcomed back into her community, all because she had the courage to reach out to Jesus. Do we have that same courage? Will we reach out to Christ when we have a need, even just enough to touch the fringe of his robe? I believe that that is what this story is asking us to do. We all come here with things on our hearts. We come here with burdens that that kind of weigh us down. And the American way is you just keep on going, right? Keep them close to the vest, not let anyone else know we're struggling, and just keep going the best you can. That's not what we see in this scripture. In this scripture is an invitation for us to bring those burdens, to bring the things that weigh down our hearts and say, God, I need you to handle this. I can't do this myself. I'm reaching out to you. And I think what we determine is when we take that first step towards God, we realize, oh, God's been there the whole time. God's been surrounding me with God's presence the entire time. I needed to be aware of it by taking a step closer to God. Because when I reached out, when I took that first step, it's then when the shutters were kind of opened. And I realized, oh, God has been here and God will continue to be here. That's what happened to this woman. She said, I need to be in the crowd that day. I'm going to risk everything because Jesus is the only one that can heal me. And in courage, in boldness, that's exactly what she did. And so I I would say that the take home from studying these scriptures and studying her encounter with Christ. The take-home for us is to go to Jesus. It's to take that extra step. It, it's to reach out every single day. As I'm thinking about this theme and, and studying these words, I, I came across a great verse from the Old Testament that, that really encapsulates all of this. It's from First Chronicles. It says, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. What if we made that our goal during this Lenten season? To seek God's face always. What if we said day by day, I'm going to seek God. Moment by moment, I'm going to reach out to God. Because when we do, what you'll find is that God is here. God is present. And God has been here the entire time. So be like this woman and reach out to God. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.